0: what is up fantasy people you are back with the true north fantasy pod i am of course we are presented by monkey knife fight sorry and i am trav i am in dirty laundry studios 2.0 as always co-hosting and west coasting with me um the newly minted fantasy pros number four most accurate rank here for this past week week six wasn't going to let you escape by without mentioning that, my man. Uh, so big congrats on that. And that would be Tyrell McLaughlin. How are you doing, my man? I am living the dream. Of course, of course. Again, um, big uh, big props to you on that number four ranking this past week. You were the, uh, the number one ranked uh, quarterback ranker this week? and uh yeah so that's that's beautiful you see that belt behind me ty is rocking the quarterback ranking belt for this week and number four on the on the week it's uh it's pretty cool that's kind of why we do that is to be accurate and track our accuracy against the best and so you got a nice little shout out from fantasy pros on that and your name was up there with uh some of the goats so that was really cool to see uh, if anybody wants to check out your rankings, Ty, um, they're up every week at TrueNorthFFB.com, um, and all of the all of the cruise content can be found on the site and the socials. We can be found on Twitter at TrueNorthFFB. It's the same on Instagram and True North Fantasy Football on Facebook. Um, got the gear on the site as well. Just want to always give that a plug. Make sure that uh, if anyone wants to get swagged out like we are. Go to uh, go to the website and check out the shop, and you can get some of that wicked gear powered by Veridian Global. And lastly, just make sure you subscribe to this channel. This is uh, we are the TNFF Network on YouTube. We have four shows per week. Our show is directly followed up by the Sons of DFS, and then the point after on uh, on Fridays, and then we of course have the Gold Jacket Boys on Tuesday nights, getting everybody prepped there as well. So we're just doing a lot of good work there. We really like when we see people leaving comments, leaving likes. Um, and we just like seeing that audience grow. So make sure you get over there and subscribe to that channel, set the alerts for those notifications, um, and then load us up to every audio platform that you have as well, because we are on there as well.
1: Yeah. And make sure everybody is signed up for fantasypoints.com. Obviously, the best bang for your buck out there, in my opinion. The 21 True North 10 promo code will get you an additional uh 10 percent off of that subscription Mm -hmm. and you know it's just the best advice from the best analysts in the business and you can uh harness all the buffet of knowledge and analysis on top of just the litany of stats tools and other content and goodies dfs fans know that the slate is fully broken down there by multiple people in very uh very great detail and you get projected ownerships everything you need to know for dfs going into each week Uh, I kind of swear by their odds board as well. It's everything Mm -hmm. betting done by Tom Brawley, game picks, trends, all that good stuff, player props, which uh, I think are actually done by the legendary John Hansen, but it's also just the best way to support us as well. So go over to fantasypoints.com, 21 true north 10, all caps, and uh, you won't regret it.
0: Yeah, man. It's uh, it's an amazing crew over there. Uh, we've loved having them on the podcast. They're big supporters of us. They've done nothing but support our show. Um, and uh, that's thanks to all the boys and Ben over at Fantasy Points. Um, so tonight, Ty, we are going to pitter-patter. Lots to talk about. It's week seven. It's the mid-season push. Uh, everybody's kind of figuring out whether they're rosters or contenders or pretenders. Uh, I know I'm evaluating a lot of stuff in a lot of my leagues, especially the Dynasty leagues, to see where we're going. Um, but tonight we're going to kind of get everybody ready for week seven and on. So there's a lot of been situations that have been changing. And that's kind of something that if uh, if you have listened to our podcast loyalty, loyally, you'll know that we like to take uh, changing situations for players, for teams, what have you. And we like to break those down and dissect them and see what they mean. And uh, this show is uh, is no different, essentially. We're going to go through a bunch of players. And talk about whether they are for real or whether we should uh, not not buy into the hype so much coming down the stretch here, Ty. And I'm going to kick it off with a group of wide receivers, if you don't mind, my friend.
1: Uh, well, and the first and, uh, one. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I, I totally agree with
0: your point And I like...
1: Uh, kind of picking apart these situations. I think one of the the main components of fantasy football is staying ahead of the market and sifting out the trends and making sure you land on the right side of that situation uh, or the final outcome. You want to get ahead of it and try and predict it as best you
0: can. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you know, this might be a good time to go put some trade feelers out there, um, kind of restock for that run. And hopefully this episode can help you out with that. Um the first guy I'm going to start with, Ty, is to me, probably one of the biggest steals of the draft so far. Um, this is a guy that you could get in a lot of cases in the double digits of your drafts. And he's currently the PPR wide receiver four on the season at this point, And that would be Mikey Dubs, Mike Williams, over in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Uh, and he's definitely turned a corner with Justin the Herb Kid Herbert coming in and kind of taking over that offense um we love we of course we love the downfield work from mike williams that's what he's always been known for and that that's been true this year as well he's got the fourth most deep targets uh third most deep receptions on the season and the second most deep touchdowns so that's kind of that's safe for him you know what i mean that was uh that's definitely something that kind of goes along with him and we expected but uh this season he's been getting volume and that has really unlocked the upside for mike williams Um, his previous career high in targets is 85 and he's going to smash that out of the water. Uh, He's got 53 targets on the season so far. So easily like um, especially with the 17 games, he is going to um, just hammer that previous high Uh, double digit targets in three of those games, which is pretty sweet. And it's kind of interesting that he had only done that in three games in the four seasons prior tie. So Mike Williams is just kind of setting career records all over the place this season, and uh, I think it's been pretty sweet for fantasy football. Um, what do you think about Mike Dubs though? This is something like I, I know in uh, when Justin Herbert went to the Chargers, we were kind of hoping this could be the, the surge for Mike Williams, but we didn't see that until year two with Justin Herbert, which is totally fine. But do you think he is past Keenan Allen for good on this maybe not necessarily on this depth chart, but in our fantasy hearts? Like, is he for good a better um? Better asset than Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen is perennially dogged on but he's been nothing but steady over the past x amount of seasons and so are you ready to say that yet yeah
1: it's interesting I think
0: uh maybe you could put him in the same tier right now it might almost be a
1: coin flip at this stage of their careers both are yeah. kind of borderline wide receiver ones to me like high-end wide receiver twos I guess in the same tier but there's definitely a floor versus ceiling debate to be had between the two. And, you know, we've seen the ceiling play out for Mike Williams so far. He's the wide receiver four, like you said, through six weeks and Keenan Allen on the other hand, the wide receiver 25 in PPR. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's still more volume headed Keenan Allen's way for the time being like Mike Williams has just done much more with his volume and he's seeing much more valuable targets. I would argue too, like Keenan Allen, still leads the team in targets and receptions, but his 10.7 yards per reception just pales in comparison to Mike Williams, who's averaging over, uh, over 15 yards per reception. Mm -hmm. So he leads the team in receiving and Mike Williams has scored six of the seven touchdowns by wide receivers for the chargers this year. And uh, you know, is Mike Williams a top five wide receiver is like the argument you're kind of seeing out there. I think top five is pretty bold uh, and probably ignoring some, some likely touchdown regression that he could, he could experience, but I think, and it also assumes maybe, Trav, that Austin Eckler continues to kind of underwhelm in the passing game as well. Uh, But the volume and the type of volume is just really appealing. He's top 10 among wide receivers in targets and air yards. And man, what Mike Williams has done in 2021 is just not to be besmirched in any way. In 15 games last year, Mike Williams had just four top 24 finishes for fantasy owners he also did that just four times in 2019 and in 2018 last year mike williams was a top 12 wide receiver in three of 16 games and through six games this year mikey dubs has equaled those totals and his three top 12 finishes matches his total over the previous like 30 games or something so <laughs> it's pretty remarkable what he's done this year and uh, i just expect him to continue to hit because like there's Mike Williams and Justin Herbert's skill sets are just aligning perfectly. I think they just align perfectly and predictably at least from TNFF, like I kind of railed against Keenan Allen this offseason because he's stuck seeing some of the less appealing volume. I think in this offense, he doesn't really benefit from some of the the advantages that, that Justin Herbert provides the offense in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And, uh, Meanwhile, like the a dot and the lack of explosive element is still kind of like apparent in Keenan Allen's game. So Mike Williams, I think, is hard to call like a definitive wide receiver one because you have big shots like uh, like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, Vikings guys, Cowboys guys. CD Lamb is CD yeah. Lamb's coming on really strong. Like you have, I probably have DK ahead of him. Uh, definitely when Russ is under center, but Mike Williams is a name that I think does come up towards the end of that conversation, alongside names like. Uh, maybe Terry McLaurin, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver. So Mike Williams, I'd say is like, yeah, wide receiver one back end or a nice wide receiver two, who is kind of offering us a pretty awesome weekly ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course he, he does come with a floor since the chargers are actually running the ball a ton. And we even saw last week that uh, like, he put up under five fantasy points in a game against the Ravens where LA was, uh, they were chasing points all game. They just couldn't do anything. So a bit of a feast or famine complex that play where, uh, Mikey Dubs has put up, I think, over 22 points in PPR four times this year, and under five in uh, in the other two matchups.
0: Yeah, that that other matchup you're talking about was just over two points against the Raiders, so not good, Bob. Uh, definitely, definitely, that floor is there. I think why you know why I think he's going to have a little more consistency, and I'm not putting him in that top five conversation rest of season yet, just for the reasons that you said. The guys around him are just like locked into that um and i think he needs to earn a little bit more of our trust but you mentioned the air yards tie how he's top 10 that is still with his average target depth coming down almost three yards since last year um and so he's averaging just over 12 yards or 12 um Air yards per target, whereas he had over 15 last year, I think over 18 the season before. Um, and so that that has come down a little bit, but we have seen the increased volume there. And the yak is way up for him. He's actually already almost crossed his uh his season high in yards after the catch, which is something that we didn't necessarily know he had in his repertoire. You know, he was kind of one of those catch and fall down guys who falls down really really hard when he catches so um it's cool to see that additional piece to his game he's got 179 yards after the catch where his previous career high is 200 in a season so just kind of a new a new facet that i think uh like you said justin herbert's skills have aligned with very nicely to unlock some of that mikey dub so back end top 12 feels like a good spot for him um Another guy who is much newer on the scene, Ty, and uh, we're going to keep her moving along the wide receiver ranks because there's a lot of new faces this year. I was looking through the top 12, and there are a lot of new faces across the landscape. and uh, So it's going to be interesting to dissect whether these are the guys that we're going to hitch our wagons to. Uh, and the next guy that I want to talk about is Jamar Chase because uh, the Bengals passing game certainly has hitched their wagon to him. He, um, we We're actually talking about Mike Dubs and his deep work. Jamar Chase actually is the only guy with more deep touchdowns than mike dubs which i thought was kind of cool he's currently the wide receiver seven and clearly has taken over top dog duties from tyler boyd and t higgins in cincinnati Uh, but he's been mega effective ty he's outside the top 30 in targets and receptions right now is jamar chase but he's sitting fourth in both receiving yards and touchdowns among wide receivers so I think that's pretty cool. He's also the only guy with at least 35 targets to have over 20 yards per reception. So even with the um, plentiful volume, he is being efficient on that. So, um, you know, Mike Dubs, we're talking about him top five. Is it too soon to have Jamar Chase in our top five rest of the season? Or are you ready to crown him, Ty? Because if you want to crown him, then you can crown his ass.
1: Yeah, crown his ass. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) I I do think. (laughs) No, I do think he is a top five wide receiver, uh, and it's fitting, yeah, with the Bengals here. uh, But yeah, I think the most interesting component to the wild success here early on is that the Bengals' offense has actually looked a bit different than we anticipated. Mm -hmm. Like, the offensive line has been... Exponentially better than uh, I thought is going to be, allowing them to kind of set up those deep balls. And just overall, they've been a more competitive team than Vegas and uh, ourselves thought they would be. Yeah. And that also means that they've run the ball more and they've been just a way slower offense than I think we had hoped. And all that has told me a couple of things. Jamar Chase is as advertised, an elite wide receiver day one. And the chemistry between him and his college quarterback, Joe Burrow, has been as advertised as well. But Another takeaway I think even better is that if the Bengals do find themselves chasing points in games more often going forward, uh, this volume could go way up and that would compensate for any downtick and efficiency that yeah. Jamar, uh, you know, that he might experience. And on Rotovis, he is the wide receiver one overall in fantasy points over expectations. So it just lends to what you were talking about and that's uh, efficiency. And if you worry about that, sometimes like it, it has to come down to a lot of deep passing efficiency and touchdowns. These are things that sometimes can regress over the season, but he's been so efficient. He's averaging almost 16 air yards per target right now. Almost mm-hmm. half the team's air yards have gone to the rookie wide receiver, Jamar chase. So, and just to shed light on like how much room this offense has to grow in terms of volume, like only Brendan cooks in Houston has a higher percent of his, his team's air yards. but Jamar chase is like 12th or 13th, depending where you look amongst wide uh, wide receivers in, uh, in total air yards. And, uh, there's kind of a similar thing at work when it comes to the touchdowns. Like Jamar Chase has seen basically zero work in the red zone this season. And part of that is Jamar Chase has three touchdowns of 40 plus yards, a league leading Mm -hmm. statistic. But part of that is team driven. Like the Bengals are dead last in red zone trips per game right now. They just haven't found themselves at the goal line as often as a, a lot of other teams. So even though Chase is scoring at will from deep, he has just three end zone targets according to PFF 34 players have more but those three end zone targets account for 50% of the Bengals' total end zone targets. So basically, Jamar Chase has seen half of the Bengals' air yards, half of the team's end zone targets. Meanwhile, Burrow is ranking like 25th in intended air yards, and Bengals are dead last in red zone trips. So I think we should be even buying high on Jamar Chase. He's done yeah. what he's done off the back of sheer talent, I think. And there's a range of outcomes where the situation becomes awesome for a wide receiver. So I think he's a top five wide receiver going forward for sure. And I, I I think he has like wide receiver one overall potential, maybe if there wasn't such beautiful names at the top, like Tyree kill and Devon totally,
0: totally. And I think, you know, he's next season is going to be one of those names. And, uh, I think it's been really cool. I mean, mean, for me, I didn't really expect him to wrestle this 24% target share away from Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, uh, but he's done so. And so good on him for that. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting because this is one of those passing games that we've said that we want pieces of big time. And it's crazy that it's operating more off of efficiency than it is off of volume. Like it did last year. And like we expected it to. Um, And I think it's interesting that you mentioned about the the end zone stuff, because I think like if we see more, more red zone trips, I think we're going to get a lot more T Higgins and a lot more Joe Mixon coming into play. So I think some of these big touchdowns from Jamar chase are just something that's going to be a staple of his game. And that's kind of, kind of helps him from being capped by those other guys if that makes sense you know what I mean because with more red zone trips I think T Higgins is really going to make himself known and that's something that I was kind of hoping for for him this season but of course he hasn't necessarily been healthy uh but I think Jamar Chase has just been you know everything like you said as advertised and uh and a good uh top five overall pick by those those pesky uh... bungles and Kyle in the chat asked if he's a round one pick next year,
1: I think uh debatable in redraft and season long and uh, best ball, yeah. but I think in dynasty leagues, there's no doubt about it. It'll be a first round pick next year.
0: I think so too. Yeah. I think for season long, he's, he's going to be one of those guys who's right on the cusp where people who are saying like draft him top 10 are just trying to get that, you know, a little bit contrarian kind of top 10 kind of call that additional breakout, but. Um, For Dynasty, he's locked in and I haven't updated my rankings with him yet, but I think he probably would be a top 12 asset for me in in Dynasty. This guy would not be that for me and was not that for me coming in, Ty. Um, But I'm curious to hear your thoughts and that's Debo Samuel. Currently, he is the wide receiver eight on a per game basis. Remember, they just had their buy, so they're coming off their buy. On a per game basis, Debo is the wide receiver three. Um, And of course, like I said, I haven't been a huge... um, fan of the upside that i thought he presented previously but he has uh he has proven me wrong and you cannot deny the work for debo so far he has eight or more targets in every single game uh which i thought was very hard to fathom with the expected volume that i saw the offense having as well as george kittle and brandon Ayuk potentially having um but Debo just continues to operate in that heavy target fashion for the niners um Obviously he's a yards after the catch machine. We knew he was going to be that a lot of people say he's like a running back at the wide receiver position, but they've actually added some air yards into his role this season Ty, which is something that has been a pleasant surprise for the people who have him in their lineups. And he's just kind of, he's just been unlocked by Kyle Shanahan. I think some injuries are a little bit of a factor there, uh, but you can't really deny what's been happening, but is Debo actually a top 10 option for you the rest of the way? Is he actually that, or do you think, uh, you know, do you think the quarterback position matters? Do you think Brandon Ayuk's going to have something to say about that? Um, What's your take on, on Debo Samuel going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, and just a really quick note, I saw Coach Craig mentioned Mike Williams injury prone label kind of was brought up in the chat there and we have Debo Samuel here so to the revelations at the wide receiver position this year definitely came with heavy injury prone tags, so to speak so uh, that's always baked into these prices and they're always uh, it's kind of a good rule of thumb to target those players in fact mm-hmm. uh, so, is Debo Samuel wide receiver one or top 10 wide receiver? I think I have him ranked as such this week in uh, the Sunday night football showdown against the Colts, who are actually a top 10 matchup for wide receivers in fantasy this year. Um, it's also looking like it will be Jimmy Garoppolo playing quarterback yes. for the 49ers coming off of their bye week, as you mentioned. And I think Jimmy G and the bye week both bode well for Debo this week. Um, Debo actually scores, by the way, 33% more fantasy points with Jimmy G at quarterback compared to the other quarterbacks since the beginning of 2020. And in the short term, with George Kittle sidelined, I think it's hard not to consider him a wide receiver one. I think I would want names like DJ Moore, uh, even Mike Williams over Debo just because of the nature of the offenses that those guys play in. Uh, and if we look at what is and isn't sustainable for Debo, like his catch rate is down, but that is in large part to what you mentioned that increase in his average depth of the target in 2020. He had mm-hmm. a, a seriously fantastic a dot for a wide receiver. His targets traveled on average, just 2.2 yards through the air last season, which is just incredible His a dots up to like 8.2 now. So yeah. that's incredible, especially when he's sustained his incredible after the catch metrics. Right. And, uh, but, but that average depth of the target is still low. I mean, he barely cracks the top 40 in wide receiver yeah. air yards right now, barely. But he's fifth in receiving yards, right? And it is all about what Debo can do with the ball in his hands. Like, it's borderline record-setting stuff. I think he's yeah. uh, averaging a jaw-dropping 9.7 yards after the catch per reception in his career. <laughs> like, he gets almost 10 yards after he catches the ball all by himself every time. So, it's just insane. Um, and again, in the short term, there's no reason to think that this monopoly on the volume in the San Francisco 49ers passing game won't continue. Like Debo is seeing almost one third of the team's targets coming out of their bye week It's, uh, it's how Debo, who we kind of, like you mentioned, considered more of a foreplay in fantasy, uh, has been able to yield such a high ceiling this year. Like we saw in weeks one and four against the lions and Seahawks respectively, he put up like 33 plus PPR point games. So. Incredible. So yeah, wide receiver one right now, but there could be a cell window that emerges when Kittle uh, is set to return. And we need to keep like a quarterback carousel in mind in San Francisco as well. Maybe the running game gets going more as well. So mm-hmm. uh, as much as we love Shanahan and how he's using Debo and as much as he's benefiting from play action and that will continue, uh, it's just hard to bank on yak at that level. And uh, even from a guy who's proved it on a crazy scale and he plays in a scheme that provides a lot of yak for wide receivers. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's a good argument to make that you could sell him or hold him. But uh, yeah, maybe for a CD lamb or a DJ Moore, or DK Metcalf or something, possibly I'd trade uh Debo for like a running back, right? Because uh, you might be wide receiver rich if you're looking to trade Debo.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Roster build is definitely, uh, definitely a factor here. I think you have to kind of ride the lightning with him. If, uh, if you're not super deep at wide receiver, because um You know, you just got to take advantage of those points while Kittle's injured. I personally don't think that the fairy tale is going to continue throughout the rest of the season. I think we got a few more weeks of it for sure. Uh, But I think by the end of the season, Brandon Ayuk is going to have something to say there. Uh, Healthy George Kittle. And then the running backs, like you said, they're getting healthy ties. So they're going to start leaning on that a little bit more. Um, And Elijah Mitchell still looking pretty damn good in that offense. So um, like I said, ride the lightning a little bit with Debo. Sell him for top 12 prices if you can, but if you need him to score points for your team as you come towards these uh, these bye weeks, then definitely slot him in. I don't quite have him as a top 12 wide receiver this week, Ty. I think I've got him in like the 16 range, um, but he's right in there, which is more than we expected coming in the season. So um, you're just kind of banking with Debo Samuel at this point.
1: The other thing I saw is that uh, the Colts have allowed almost every touchdown on defense right. this year through the air. I think Warren sharp tweeted that out. So that was uh that kind of made me move Debo up even a little bit more because I do think he's uh, arguably the top target in the, in end zone targets when it comes to the 49ers right now.
0: Yeah, that's a good point as well. That's a good point. A little bit uh, passing in the red zone. And I think uh, Jimmy G and his accuracy plays well into that as well. So, Um, he will be getting back healthy and looks like he will be manning the ship. Um, So to go from Debo, who's pretty early in his career, to somebody who's considered a bit of an old man among the wide receiver landscape, Ty, he's, I know, pretty rude because he's younger than you and I are, that's for sure. Um, So what does that make us? Am I right, bud? (laughs) Um, And that's Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. He's currently the wide receiver twelve. Um, I think we know he gets overshadowed from time to time by his top five counterpart in Justin Jefferson. Um, I think we've seen in spurts a little bit less condensation from this offense tie, and that's not like the liquid kind of condensation. That's more like the condensation of targets into a low amount of players. Um, I don't know why I made a condensation joke there. (laughs) I buy Irv Smith is what you're saying, yeah. And yeah KJ exactly well, was a thing mean. and then isn't a KJ thing KJ is a thing as then... Jonah in spurts this season but uh, Adam Thielen keeps on producing I, I was looking and he doesn't blow any particular metrics like out of the water necessarily uh, but he just does everything well and I think the offense in Minnesota is the perfect storm for him to produce in that manner uh, four touchdowns on the season um he's looking like a machine <laughs> Kyle in the chat says I need to condense my jokes thank you very much sir thank you that's a good uh, good radio tip for uh for condensing those jokes there um but yeah Adam Thielen Ty do you think he belongs he doesn't play in week seven the Minnesota Vikings have a buy so this could be a good buy opportunity for Adam Thielen actually if somebody needs like would you would you sell Debo Samuel straight across for Adam Thielen who are you going with there no, I'd probably take Debo
1: in that, in that trade. But the the thing is Debo might be somebody who people are trying to buy high on maybe. And Adam Thielen is somebody who's just, you know, always undervalued. I would say like he's scoring as a wide receiver one right now. I don't think he is a wide receiver one. Thielen's kind of a wide receiver two, including on his own team, right behind Justin Jefferson, especially in between the twenties, but kind of our apprehension or whatever might be due to Minnesota's uh offensive philosophy, right? But and maybe if we're not buying him, it's because of the disbelief or contempt we have in some of the stuff we're seeing in Minnesota early on. Like the Vikings have uh they've been one of the fastest teams in all of football when it comes to like plays per game. They're one of the pass heaviest offenses in football. Even in neutral lot. game scripts, yeah. Like we did not expect it, but even in neutral game scripts, mm-hmm. uh the Vikings are just throwing the ball a lot more than we anticipated. And you know, Dalvin Cook's been injured here and there, so. That might factor in, but uh, the one thing we have been able to hang our hat on with Adam Thielen is the touchdowns, right? And I think there's a note to be made about how efficient Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen have been and the Vikings as a team at converting red zone trips into touchdowns, going back to the beginning of last season, like how sustainable is that? Ask Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Tannehill, right? But for Adam Thielen, an interesting and appetizing thing happens when the Vikings get in close. Cousins just keys in on him, and Kirk is... He's hooked on a Thielen when they get in close, the closer to scoring they get. And I think it was on pro football reference that Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson both had like over one quarter of the team's targets inside the red zone, but inside their opponent's 10 yard line, Thielen had 50% of the team's market share. So the touchdowns aren't really fluky for Thielen. Is he behind Justin Jefferson in my rankings rest of the season? Yes, but he has that spiked weak potential because of that touchdown upside And, uh, I just think he's always undervalued. You don't have to pay very high prices for Thielen, uh, considering what he's given you in production. Yeah. It's been a, it's just been weird seeing like the pace of play in Minnesota, seeing how pass heavy they've been in the red zone efficiency. Um, so there's lots of stuff, uh, lots of room for, for some of that stuff to, to come back to earth. But I think a lot of that is, is just baked into his price. Um, like I, I always think of it like this, like Adam Thielen and Mike Evans, there's not a lot of separation between those two guys, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. when it comes to points per game, uh, or even somebody like Tyler Lockett, who could come with a lot more down weeks than Adam Thielen. Uh, meanwhile, Adam Thielen just doesn't muster up the same enthusiasm amongst fantasy gamers. You know what I mean? So, and lo and behold, the Vikings have just been one of the most voluminous wide receiver situations this year, which is just really, really strange. So firm wide receiver two rest of the season for me, maybe a guy, like you said, you target and trade. Uh, with teams having to find uh, replacements for, for Adam mm-hmm. Thielen, who, who heads into his bye week. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't mind Adam Thielen at all.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. I, I would actually take Adam Thielen over Debo Samuel the rest of the season. Just like you said, the extra volume that they're seeing in Minnesota, he's got a 22% share of that, which is, uh, you know, that's a nice little piece of the pie over in Minnesota. Um, and all that red zone work, like he's going to end the season with double digit touchdowns. I am very confident in that. Um, because when Kirk Cousins gets going, he is a pretty low-risk, accurate passer. And I think Adam Thielen is kind of a part of Kirk Cousins being that, just the type of receiver that he is. So I would put him probably, you know, it's hard, like you say, it's kind of hard to put him in that top 12, but I would probably put him in that back end, kind of the 12 range, just for um, the, you know, double double touchdown games here and there that he might have. Um, and the safe volume, whereas I think Debo's volume is kind of set to get taken whereas a guy like Adam Thielen is there's not like a younger guy that's KJ Osborne is not going to come in and be the wide receiver too for this team you know he's an ancillary piece whereas I think Debo has guys who can take over his role so that's kind of where I sit with a guy like Thielen you know like I do play that way though Ty I play a little bit more conservative so I think it really depends which way you swing where that is concerned um, but I do think there is some upside with uh, with more than a Thielen so I think that was a pretty good assessment there Okay. A couple of guys real quick here, Ty, I want to hand the reins over to you because I've been yapping on these wide receivers quite a bit, uh, a couple of guys. And I want you to tell me if they're still part of the elite. So we're talking about, we just finished talking about a bunch of players who have kind of gotten into the top 12 landscape. I want to talk about these, uh, a couple of guys here who are not in that landscape anymore. First one being Calvin Ridley, the Riddler over in Atlanta. He's outside the top 40 wide receivers currently. Um, and not even in the top 24 in points per game. And remember, they've had their buy as well. Um, Do you think his shortcoming is the product of an offense that really doesn't have an identity yet? Or do we think we can safely bounce him from the ranks of fantasy's elite? Yeah, he's definitely not
1: an elite wide receiver anymore, and uh, we have to change our perceptions, guys, no matter what we thought coming into the season, and it is the offense. I don't know if it's the lack of identity, but this is just one of the least efficient offenses in football this year. It's one of the least vertical offenses, like the air yards and average depth of target that's what's drastically changed in atlanta and for matt ryan under this new regime and that sucks for calvin ridley sitting at less than 11 air yards per target this year down from 14.3 last season and Mm -hmm. that really sucks for a guy who just isn't adding after the catch like air yards are very important for a player like calvin ridley because he plays on a bad team who's not going to score a lot of touchdowns with uh with matt ryan in this new regime right and you know with all that being said though like it's hard to like throw him too far down the rankings. Like I'm just actually pulling up my rankings here. And uh, he's a back end wide receiver in my week seven rankings. I know Russell gauge is back, but uh Ridley just has a lot of volume. I think baked into him. His whopper is still stellar, like his weighted opportunity mm-hmm. report. And uh, you know, he gets the dolphins this week and they've just really struggled on that side of the ball. Wide receivers score the third most fantasy points against Miami this season. So Calvin Ridley can maybe test his ceiling this week. Let's say that trap yeah, Cause You know, it's actually a big week all around, you know, for this new coaching staff, everyone coming off of a buy, there's some healthy bodies here. Uh, But rest of season, I think it is that lack of like wide receiver one overall upside is why I really don't love Calvin Ridley the rest of the way. Um, He probably still comes with like high end wide receiver two price tags too. And with the expected volume, maybe that's justified. I just think the perception has just changed significantly uh, for me. So I can't really justify paying those prices for him. And just probably not a guy I'm looking at outside of cash games, even in DFS. And also, you know, Russell Gage's back Cordero Patterson is on fire. So mm-hmm. the pecking order, the pecking order in Atlanta is probably up for debate when you include Kyle Pitts as well. And that, that, that will be what I really have my eye on with Calvin Ridley with all the skill players in Atlanta heading into week seven.
0: Yeah. I think that's really like, well, put. Kyle Pitts just came on in that week before the buy. Um, Cal- like, I think I would probably pay wide receiver, like, you know, upper wide receiver two prices for Calvin Ridley, because you know me, I've been a believer in Calvin Ridley. Um, I think not having Julio there as kind of an umbrella for him taking that coverage has been pretty brutal on him. Um, Not that I don't think he can overcome that because I do think he probably will and have a good standing for us by the end of the season, but it's been rough going for, for those who have Ridley. I have him as, you know, the wide receiver two, wide receiver one on a bunch of teams. And uh, there's some struggles happening out there. It's been uh, it's been tough. Um, another guy outside outside of the top 60, this guy is. Both uh, obviously haven't had their buy, so on um, points per game and season-long total. This one's a little bit more heartstrings for all of us, though, I think, Ty. And that would be A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans has not had a good season. This offense has been in a little bit of disarray losing Arthur Smith. Um, It's uh, it's been tough for AJB this past week against Buffalo was the first time on the season that he'd even cleared 50 receiving yards still only has the one touchdown, which has kind of been a calling card for him. Um, So I'm going to say like, forget top 12 rest of the season for AJ Brown. Do we even see any kind of bounce back coming for AJB? Um, or is it just kind of a sunk ship for 2021?
1: No, I think he's a top 24 wide receiver. Uh, definitely he's been like even worse than Calvin Ridley for fantasy owners. That's for sure. I think he has zero top 12 finishes this year, just one top 24 finish in five games played. But, you know, you mentioned that game against Buffalo. I thought it was really impressive. It was his best game scoring over 15 points in PPR against Buffalo has been really hard to do this season for wide Mm -hmm. receivers. They were extremely tough heading into that game. So that was a positive sign. And then, then uh, like this week, they're facing off against the Chiefs, who have been fine against wide receivers. They've bled points to backs. Hello, Derrick Henry. Uh, also <laughs> given up a ton of fantasy points to tight ends this season. But the Titans will need to throw the ball in this matchup against the Chiefs. And it's one of the highest game totals we've seen all season. Uh, it's sitting at 57.5 right now. So the Titans yeah. will need to score points in the second half at home against the Chiefs. And A.J. Brown could uh, easily have a blow-up game this week. But it probably... It probably is a chance to get, you know, get out on him if you can, like in your home leagues, like I'd probably be selling him because the efficiency has been borderline historic in Tennessee over the last couple of years, not just AJ Brown, but in Tennessee. And we've already seen a lot of that stuff come back to earth. Like I'm looking at Tannehill averaging about a full completed air yard less per attempt this season compared to 2019 and 2020 touchdown rate was over 7% in the 26 starts since he took the reins in Tennessee three percent this year that's what his touchdown rate sitting at so that's led to aj brown just flat out busting heading into week six and julio jones is obviously around as well so yeah you know the the run game this whole time is still just uh the well-oiled machine it's been so no problems there why why go to the passing game if you don't have to and uh but yeah i just think this is going to be probably a really good sell opportunity because we could see a spiked week for the passing game because of the matchup with kansas city
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's uh, really well put. I would definitely be looking to sell coming off the the big week there. Um, If you look at the rest of his schedule after Kansas City, Indy, um, it's really up and down. So I think we are going to see a lot of boomer bust. Indy is there, uh, but then you got the Rams and the Saints. Then you got the Texans, Patriots, and then Jags and Steelers looks nice with the Niners and uh, the Dolphins to round it out. So, you know, a kind of up and down strength of schedule coming for A.J. Brown. Um, and with the kind of up and down production, I think it'd be a good time to get out for 2021. I'm still holding fast for dynasty though. I think we can still kind of bet on the talent where that's concerned because I don't think Julio is really going to be a factor for him long-term. Uh, so AJ B is still one of my favorite wide receivers coming, coming into dynasty season, uh, and and the off season coming, um, rapid fire tie. I want to give you a couple of quick names here and ask you whether they can be dropped for fantasy football, um, it's been uh, hard out in these wide receiver streets a little bit, and uh, I, I just need to know, can I drop Laviska Chenault right now, Ty? He uh, he currently only has one week as a top 30 wide receiver, zero touchdowns on the season so far, um, but you know, the, the Jags are going to be throwing the ball.
1: Yeah, I think the the ceiling's definitely capped for uh, LaVisca Chenault. We knew touchdowns were going to be an issue with the rookie quarterback and Marvin Jones there, but also, and that's really played out, but it's also hard to expect multiple weapons to be supported by a rookie quarterback no matter how highly touted that quarterback is um having said that he did have 10 targets uh in week six in a a spectacular last second win across the pond
0: yeah uh so maybe absolutely wonderful (laughs) uh
1: so maybe he does heat up he will score eventually too he hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year um but yeah i think he's like the ceiling is the concern which makes him a tough guy to go and seek out as your wide receiver three or a guy to target or whatever a flex play Um, So I think you can drop Chenault, especially in favor of somebody like Tim Patrick. Maybe if Rondell Moore gets dropped or Sean Beatman, possibly somebody like that. I think uh, I might go in a direction like that on a better offense.
0: Yeah, I dig it. He's a tough one for me, Chenault, because I see that double-digit target upside that could happen from week to week but it's uh it's just kind of a tricky one to buy into um especially for somebody who myself who likes to play with the kind of the conservative nature the bottom of my depth chart i want like yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, tricky conundrum. Um, so don't be afraid to risk it for the biscuit on that guy who might get less targets than LaVisca, but we'll give you much more upside with those spike weeks. Cause that's what you want to churn through the bottom of your roster. Um, next guy has previously been someone who has seen a ton of target consistency. That's kind of gone away. And part of it is due to the aforementioned Jamar Chase, and that would be Tyler Boyd. Ty, are you dropping them? Are you holding them on, holding on to him for, uh, um, for that inkling of hope that the targets get a little bit more consistent.
1: No, I think he's droppable as well. Like in games against Chicago and Jacksonville Boyd saw a combined 20 targets, just under 200 yards In the other four games, four targets, six targets, five targets, three targets, 36 yards or less in all four of those games. And that's why I touched on a lot of like the red zone woes in Cincy, their ability to score more from deep. The mm-hmm. uh, offensive line is pass protecting and, uh, you know Joe Mixon in the run game being heavily involved yeah. and then the play volume is pretty low in Cincinnati as well so really everything is working against Tyler Boyd uh and so he just isn't that needed uh unfortunately so if you feel like that's the case on your fantasy team as well i imagine it would be to make room for some bye week fillers likely at other positions like dropping Tyler Boyd probably means you're, you're deep or you're really strong at wide receiver. So I think he's droppable as we head into, into week seven where, where there is a lot of buys.
0: Yeah, no, I think that was really, uh, really good there. Um, I I another tough guy to drop too, for sure. Um, We got a big return coming tie in new Orleans with the saints. Michael Thomas is not ready to come back this week, um, but we're looking like we will see him the following week there. Um, and I want to know, like, Marquez Calloway, is he somebody that you would keep on your roster uh, just in case they start to air it out with Jameis with, with MT back? Or are you, uh, are you safe cutting bait on Marquez Calloway?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I think a lot of people would be more reticent to drop him other than Tyler Boyd, for instance. I don't know. Like, it's funny because folks drafted him high after seeing what he did with Jameis in preseason. I think he had a pair of touchdowns in that one game. And Callaway, lo and behold, had a pair of touchdowns in week five before the Saints Mm -hmm. uh, went on their bye. And it was his first top 24 finish of the week uh, of the season. Uh, Had a season high, eight targets in week five. I think he had 13 in the first four games combined. Um, and he's actually scored more fantasy points in PPR every week this season. Problem is, the Saints have been one of the least efficient offenses in football, one of the slowest offenses in football, and one of the run-heaviest offenses in football. And you add on to that, like you said, Michael Thomas coming back, Traquan Smith as well, set to return. Uh, and Callaway is always going to be like a very boom or bust option and relatively one-dimensional uh, just in the ways being used. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we hoped that wouldn't be the case heading into the season. Uh, We also thought Jameis would be attacking defenses a little bit differently, but a lot has changed. And I think Callaway belongs probably on benches or on waiver wires. And by the way, I say this with some fear. Like my hesitance is that they have Seattle, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and Tennessee is the next four opponents for the saints. And those are four juicy as fuck matchups for wide receivers in fantasy.
0: Yeah, no, I, I see that. I would uh, I would let him, you know, hit the curb. Uh, I do think that Michael Thomas um, insertion back into the lineup is pretty much going to tank any targets that we can see Marquez Callaway getting. So um, I'm okay with getting rid of him. And I'd be looking at, you know, guys like a Kendrick Bourne or even like a Khalif Raymond from Detroit who's been performing as somebody who could kind of just has like a path to volume. Um, over Marquez Callaway for me, the last guy is, uh, is a really tough one. I wouldn't drop this guy personally because I still believe, and I believe in the quarterback as well. Um, but that's Alan Robinson tie. <laughs> <laughs> like how do you, can you even drop Alan Robinson? Yeah, or would like, you be holding that roster spot for him yesterday? I think everyone would have said no,
1: but like, and, and I put this on the show sheet like a while ago when we set this up after, I think it was Sunday or Monday. And, uh, it definitely would have seemed like a super big hot take, but yeah, cause this was the week they play Tampa Bay, a game where they will have to not play at a snail's pace, a game where mm-hmm. they will be forced to throw the ball and a game script just made for Allen Robinson, right. Who is, uh, in full put up or shut up mode at this point too. <laughs> and the bucks are a top five matchup in fantasy for wide receivers this season, but he is now questionable and did not practice today. So, uh, You know, fuck me. And uh, four catches or fewer in five straight games. He has under 65 yards receiving in all six games this year. Allen Robinson only failed to hit 65 yards in four of 16 games last season. He hasn't even finished as a top 24 wide receiver in a single week this season. And this guy is still 92% rostered in Yahoo League. So I know people aren't dropping Allen Robinson, but I think we should be considering it. (laughs)
0: yeah and the the chicago offense just doesn't really like they haven't defined a role for him his previous red zone role hasn't been there um you know the target monster downfield guy has not been there his average depth of target has been all over the place so far this season much like the target volume much like the fantasy production so i like i said i would not be dropping him but um you know if if his stats were on a guy named marquez Callaway, he would 100 be dropping uh, that guy. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on that injury and if you can keep a bench spot open, that's fine. But, um, you just kind of got to ride that out with a Rob. So we never want to use bench spots
1: on backup quarterbacks, right? So I want to hit some of these quarterbacks we've hit on quarterbacks like Jalen hurts. We talked a little Sam Darno and Danny dimes, but I want to zoom through some of these hard to decipher yeah. signal callers for fantasy gamers here. So, mm-hmm. Trav, I got a tough one right off the bat here. I want you to rank these guys for the rest of the season. Sam Darno, Danny Jones, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz.
0: Wow. I think I got to go. I think I'm sticking with Sam Darnold just because of the Carolina offense and the weapons that are around him. I think he's my top-ranked guy. And, um, you know, that newfound Konami success that we've seen from him, right? Um, the next guy, uh, I think it's I think it's Derek Carr. And then Daniel, Daniel Jones, and then Carson Wentz. It's really hard. Like, I don't know. I really don't like Daniel Jones. Some of that probably is from my Eagles fandom factor. Um, So I think Daniel Jones might have the most upside of any of these three, just for the rushing work that he, that he can give and his penchant for passing down the field. But I just, I don't know. I don't trust him not to make mistakes and those mistakes can uh, definitely hamper his fantasy football value. So Give me Derek Carr just because the Raiders are airing it up and he is putting up some good yardage totals. And I think, um, you know, Darren Waller has some room to um, kind of regress back to the mean and be that viable, you know, top three tight end for us. Henry Ruggs has shown up and been awesome as well. I like to see that. And I think that just kind of plays into seeing some deep touchdowns for Derek Carr. Um, So I I think that's why I got him at two. Daniel Jones, like I said, the rushing upside. Carson Wentz, like I'm just kind of staying the way I get. He can give you some spotty weeks here and there, um, but this is a team that relies on the backfield and not on him. Um, and I think uh, I would question, I would question his weapons as being ones who can help him be better than he actually is. So that's why I got Carson Wentz last. How do you have him, Otay?
1: Yeah, I've I've Wentz last as well. I think I have Sam Darno at the top. Daniel Jones next. Derek Carr. Carson Wentz, definitely we're coming across a little bit like Derek Carr haters or non-believers or something. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I really don't want any of these guys as my quarterback in a start one quarterback league. Like Darno and Danny D, I like more because they do add with their legs. And like you said, I think Darno almost lands in a tier above the others because I also kind of covet the system he plays in. And I like the weapons on top of that. Uh, but tier is the word. Like you could argue that all four of these guys land in one big fat tier. You know, you could even throw cousins in there at the top or Lawrence Tanhill. I'm sure folks would have some other guys like Jameis, Matt Ryan yeah. in this mix. And uh yeah, I see a pretty big gap between guys like Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, and a quarterback like Carson Wentz. But for fantasy, will that difference be much more than a couple of points per game at the end of the season? Um, because I, yeah, I think a, a dozen quarterbacks or so will, will score within uh, a couple points per game of one another. Um, when all is said and done, so those were that's kind of how I would rank them. But obviously, trying to play uh, trying to play matchups and stream guys in in, in those scenarios.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's just Trav, a group.
1: what about Matthew Stafford? He's really coming on strong. Do you think Matthew Stafford is a legit top ten QB one kind of guy?
0: Oh, it's so it's hard to hitch your wagon to that as a guy who's not running the ball. Um, but I think he definitely can be. I think the the Sean McVay offense has been really nice for him. Like he's not throwing it up deep all game. Like he, he maybe once did with Detroit, but I think the touchdowns are there for him. Um, and the deep efficiency is still there. He's third in uh, third in deep yardage on passes that travel more than 20 yards down the field, but he has the 15th most attempts. So like, I think the efficiency has come really nicely. Um, and just the offense has been a really good piece for him. So I think he is in that, uh, that area, but these weapons like Cooper cup still needs to be producing at a top five clip. Robert, uh, Robert Woods needs to continue to build on the production we've seen over the last couple of games. So, um, yeah, I think he can be there. He just needs the touchdowns to remain because he doesn't have that rushing upside to hold him up against some of those younger quicker options in, uh, in like Kyler Murray and Lamar and all that jazz. Yeah, he's and that's why
1: he's been like a high floor play, you know what I mean? He's yet to finish outside the top 24, but he's only been a top 12 quarterback uh, in two of six games. And the two 25-plus point games have actually come against the Bucks and the Giants. Both teams are top five quarterback matchups for fantasy this season. So for DFS, we can target Stafford in advantageous matchups. But even absent good matchups, Stafford has provided a pretty... Uh, a pretty concrete floor and it is the system but yeah Stafford has also been a big part of this like adding what the Rams have been lacking you know what I mean he ranks fifth in completed air yards on rotavis and fifth in fantasy points over expectation of the position um speaking of out, out kicking expectations Kirk Cousins <laughs> I kind of touched on really quick there uh on the top of that tier of quarterbacks above Definitely near the top of the quarterback twos for me. He's actually finished as a top 12 quarterback twice as often as Stafford this year, four of six weeks. But yeah, uh, I talked earlier tonight about the idea of Cousins not finishing, you know, top five in pass attempts, which is where he currently is. Uh, Like the volume has just been kind of wild, the pace of play, the play volume for the Purple People Eaters. Not to mention Cousins is converted close to 60% of his air yards, elite stuff. But I think Cousins is interesting because the Vikings do go on by And maybe he can be acquired on the cheap or even for free 99 in some one quarterback leagues where people are forced to drop them. So yeah. And there's some, there's some high point total games coming up for the Vikings as well. So do you think cousins is a quarterback who's worth going out and paying for wasting your waiver wire uh, claim on him paying some fab, or do you think he is kind of in that tier going forward where you, you can stream guys?
0: Like I think, I think he ends up being that, but I don't think I would be um, giving up the gusto to go and do that necessarily. I think we can get kind of replacement level production for our teams if we hit right. I just think like Kirk Cousins is probably for the most part weekly going to give us what we're hoping to hit on. You know what I mean? Or at least a safer version of that. Whereas with some of these other options, sure, Daniel Jones could give you 30, but he could give you those six whereas Kirk Cousins is going to be safely in that 18 to 25 range just because of all that stuff that you alluded to like he's top 10 in attempts um he's top 10 in touchdowns he is uh top 10 in yardage so he's definitely just putting up the numbers and uh he's not the sexy name that you're going to tie your team to um and I'm not saying go out and sell the farm necessarily for him but if you can get him for uh, those good prices or free 99 then definitely scoop them up and I have a lot of teams where I'm slotting him in he is uh he's alongside Aaron Rodgers for me on my Scott Fishbowl team and not having him this week with that bye week is actually severely gonna hurt so um definitely attack but attack with caution just because it is the quarterback position right so um if you can get him thrown in on a deal or something like that Uh, With for a team who is rostering him as their second option, then great, get him tossed in, and you got yourself a locked-in starter for the most part, um, unless something really tanks with that Minnesota offense, which I think there is built-in safety there where it's not going to do that unless they get severely injured. So I think Kirk Cousins is that. It's just hard to buy into him as that top-12 option going forward. Okay, Ty. This year's Tannehill, maybe. Yeah, I, I like that too. I definitely like that. There's uh there's the efficiency there, and it's like even he doesn't even feel as sexy as what we thought of Tannehill that season, you know what I mean? And I think maybe yeah, the they... offense is much different. Like Minnesota, like yeah. it's kind of that Minnesota's just ran a lot of plays per game
1: and they're passing a lot, so he's top five in pass attempts, which I don't think uh we yeah. expected, and they maintained
0: a lot of the efficiency that we've uh, become accustomed to over the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Well, you and I think hard out that, Washington. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, I think the fact that he's been on the Vikings for a few years, putting up consistent production versus where Tannehill was brand new to that Tennessee Titans team and really unlocked something that we hadn't necessarily seen out of them. So, but I like that. I like that comparison. I was big. Uh, I was a, a big beneficiary of Ryan Tannehill that season. Okay, Ty. So uh, before we get into some of these running backs, I just want to give some love to our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. Um, you can get in there. Our buddy Jimmy on the Gold Jacket Pods is doing some going bananas stuff every week. Um, where we're going to be posting some screenshots of some of the games that we enter going into the Thursday nighter and the weekend. So um, go see our friends at Monkey Knife Fight. Put in the promo code TNFF and you will get an instant match on your first deposit of up to fifty bucks. So they'll double your cash and uh, up to a cool hundy in the bank. And you can just have a lot of fun. Any any skill level, um, all sorts of different stuff you can get into on Monkey Knife Fight. So go check it out. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Throw a tweet at us or something. Um, and uh, get your DFS prop games at Monkey Knife Fight with promo code TNFF. So thanks to them and all their support. We, uh, we definitely love the partnership with Monkey Knife Fight and have a lot of fun winning some cheddar over there. Okay, Ty, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get us into these running backs um, we've got some guys, uh, a couple of guys who um, obviously I was pretty high on coming into this season. Uh, but I want to know if you think these guys can even be like strong running back twos for our teams. The first guy on the Darnell docket is uh, Miles Sanders from my Eagles. He has been super, super spotty, but he's looked really good when he's been able to get some work. But it just feels like the offense hasn't let him hit a rhythm. He's looked pretty good in the passing game, even though he's been a little bit overshadowed in that facet by Kenneth Gainwell for the Eagles. Um, but when they've run the ball consistently, Miles Sanders has looked great. There's been some holes there previously. We've had some issues with his vision and seeing those holes and hitting them, but I think he's improved in that area from what I've been watching as well. Um, the volume's just been so spotty. Do you think that's what it's what's attributed to it? Uh, and do you think it comes to make him a viable running back to tie um or or what are you seeing with miles and uh where would you put him on your uh on your totem pole as far as running backs are concerned
1: yeah i mean he's probably an rb2 right i just think uh it's tough to trust him as such it's a reflection of the state of the position and we say that so much but it's so true with a guy like miles sanders um i don't think volume is necessarily the issue it's definitely like a lot of things that's happening with the offense. You know what I mean? And we talked during the off season a lot about how miles Sanders could have a hard time paying off his ADP due to a lack of involvement in the passing game, like volume wise and what was probably going to be a very run heavy team, uh, with a really low win total with just a ton of RPO action. But so far, like some of that has come to bear, but also, it's just been some weird stuff happening in Philly. Like they've been one of the past heaviest offenses in football, which I just didn't expect. Or, uh, you know, nobody really expects that in such a heavy RPO system being such a pass heavy team. Um, But they've also somehow, you know, managed to be one of the slowest offenses in Mm -hmm. football. It's really contrasting philosophies here going on. And uh, some of their best success is trippy too. In the passing game, it's coming off of RPOs. Like the Eagles are number one in RPO pass attempts and passing yards right now. Um, But you rarely see, you know, passes go to the running back position in that situation, right? Same with play action. So you know, for me, give me guys like James Robinson, give me Daryl Henderson oh, yeah. easily. Yeah, like I think I'm team Josh Jacobs in 2021 over Miles Sanders. The age-old yeah. debate. Um so still in RB2 Sorry. given the state of the position, but you know, it's no like it's five straight games now where Miles Sanders has failed to score as a running back too. Um but again, like I want to leave this conversation by saying Miles Sanders is playing much better football than we saw a year ago. The talent is back in a big way, I think, in the receiving game. So if they just unleashed him even more in that facet of the game, then we could talk. And, uh, you know, if you remember, I, I did advocate for him last week, and I kind of man- I maintained that stance. Like, he could start to make waves, and, you know, ha- he already has with the team, in a sense, is what I'm getting at. Like, it's super important to note that Miles Sanders is coming off games where he played 75% of the snaps and 83% of the snaps over the last two weeks while seeing 16% and 17% of the team's targets. And last week he even saw work at the goal line. So Miles Sanders could be trending up, and you could get him on the cheap right now, but there is a lot of things happening in this offense that point towards uh, discouraging uh, you from buying on Miles Sanders.
0: Yeah, it's uh, for me, it's really hard to trust him as that running back too. Like, I think I'd probably have him ranked within the back end. But if I'm looking at my rankings for this week specifically, I've got like, i got Cordaryl Patterson ahead of him for crying out loud in my uh, in my weekly rankings, just because it's been so spotty. Like, I don't even think the target volume has been that bad for Miles, especially with us expecting Kenneth Gainwell to eat into that a little bit. I mean, he's probably averaged about four targets per game which with the efficiency we want from Miles Sanders is totally fine. For me, it's been the fact that he's had a game with only two carries and a game with seven carries, a game with nine carries. His season high is 15, and I just think it's been – that's where we want to see more volume. And I think he can capitalize on those four targets per game, but it's hard to trust a guy as a running back to for me that could have, you know, three carries in a game. Um, I think the running back landscape means that you are starting him as a running back too. all these injuries this week. We've got Kareem hunt, Nick Chubb, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Saquon Barkley's out. Like there's just injuries galore that mean you're probably having to start Miles centers as a running back too. But I think, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, not necessarily the rose-colored glasses that I would like to be viewing my Eagles, uh, Eagles with, Ty. Um, so off that note, which is super sad, um, how about Damian Harris over in New England? Do we think that he's a strong running back too for fantasy football? Um, Ramond, Ramondre Stevenson was a little bit more involved this past week. Uh, James White is uh, still out with that injury. What's your take on Damian Harris and his viability from week seven on to be a running back too, for our teams, even, um, you know, sans some of that passing work that we might've liked to see him get with James White out.
1: Yeah. Is he an RB two? Sure. Rest of the season. Like he is, (laughs) he is what he is. You know what I mean? Like he's still yet to score over 20 fantasy points in a game during his career, but he's coming off a career high day against Dallas. So good for him. And this week they get the jets. So i would straight up entertained Damian Harris as an RB one in such a juicy matchup this week, but even in a career day last week, he still couldn't get over 50% of the team snaps. So he is game script dependent and uh, that can come with big down weeks. Right. And he still splits work uh, at the goal line with others. So this week, yes. Running back to rest of season. Yes. But is he a top 20 running back for me? Rest of the way. I, I just don't think he is. Like, it's hard to trust a guy who comes with a lot of down weeks, but has also never scored 20 points in fantasy ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know me, like, I've previously been in Damian Harris guy, but I think, like, you know, we've we've just kind of seen that his upside's a little bit capped, and the offense is going to use multiple guys. He's, uh, I still like him, and if he is a run, like, I think he probably is in that top 24, but like you said, is he in that top 20 rest of the season? Probably not for me. Um and we Just chase, we he's... chase fantasy points
1: from the Patriots backfield, like yeah. it, it, almost erroneously throughout the years, because there's such defined roles and that's why I point out the snap counts and stuff in New England because the defined roles are still very much there. And that makes him game script dependent and is as explosive of a running back as I might think Damian Harris is, as good as I think he is after contact and everything. Uh, he really is fighting the situation. He isn't even getting the goal line work. And this offense isn't a powerhouse by any means with Mac Jones under mm-hmm. center. Uh, so it's just a really tough sell for Damian Harris, who I will admit that after this week, we could be saying this guy's coming off back to back career high fantasy weeks. And, uh, this team will build yet again with
0: Damian hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely could. And uh, it's just uh, a shame that we haven't seen him be able to siphon some of that passing work. Uh, like you said, with this team, not necessarily having those defined roles, I thought he was going to be able to take some of that with James White down. So I think Damian Harris has some of that in his game. I think he could be a good pass catching back if they gave him some targets. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's been an interesting shakeout for that new England backfield as they approach new territory with Mac Jones at the helm. A um, couple more here, Ty. Leonard Fournette, is he a running back one for you rest of the season? He's getting the work. He's the running back 11 in PPR currently for Tampa Bay. Rojo is a figment of our imagination at this point, and Gio's taking a couple targets here and there, but nothing, uh, nothing that worries us. Where are you at with Lenny?
1: Yeah, he is really heating up uh, 16 points in week 4, 21 in week 5, and over 30 points in PPR against your Eagles last week. But uh, that was his only top 12 performance through six games last week. And in typical Leonard Fournette fashion, he's outside the top 40 in running back fantasy points over expectation. His yards per carry sucks, so... This is almost all situation and volume, but he does have like both those extremely important elements uh, in his game right now. Like he's sixth in running back opportunities, seventh in running back targets, sixth in receptions amongst running backs. So there's not much to argue with outside of efficiency right now. I just have a hard time thinking of Fournette, uh, Fournette as an RB one in such a pass heavy offense. Plus a lot Mm -hmm. of this, uh, a lot of this receiving work has come while Gio Bernard, uh, while Gio Bernard has been sidelined, but, the Bucks are also one of the fastest offenses in football, one of the most efficient offenses in football, one of the highest scoring offenses in football. So you probably want the lead back in that situation who is seeing about 60 percent of the team carries and the lead back at the goal line. And uh, we've continued to say that Tampa Bay could yield a league winning running back, especially when you look at that playoff uh, fantasy strength of schedule.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think the reason why Leonard Fournette hasn't been hampered by the past happiness of this offense is that he's been getting a decent amount of targets. He's averaging just over four per game. And in all but one game where both were active, he has actually out-targeted Giovanni Bernard. So... Um, I, I, think, you know, we were, we were pretty worried that Gio was going to come in and, um, be the apple of Tom Brady's eye, but it seems like Leonard Fournette has that and is going to get some of those targets to go along with it. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think he probably will be for the, for the season. Um, I'd have to take a, take a peek at my rest of season rankings here to see if I'd put him right in there, but he would be definitely a top 15 or so with uh with that running back one upside because you know it's tom brady and the in the i almost said the patriots and the bucks here yeah um, like don't
1: consider him an rb1 but i i could yeah. see him being an rb1 and even a league winner at some point during mm-hmm. down the stretch yeah
0: yeah good good point um, what about Daryl Hendo? Sony Michelle in uh, in Los Angeles has not been a factor for Daryl Henderson necessarily, which has been very good to see. Um, and Daryl Henderson has taken full advantage of the opportunity that he's been getting in this Rams offense. Is he uh, is he a running back? One would you say going forward, or even if you want to put yes. the threshold at top? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Top twelve, Daryl Hendo, like, baby.
1: Like Derrick Henry, Dalvin, Alvin. Eckler, uh, Aaron Jones, Najee, probably guys like Nick Chubb, Zeke, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey maybe still, yeah, maybe DeAndre Swift. So I, I could probably squeeze Hendo out, but for right now, there's no question he is entering that running back one conversation. He was back up to 81% of the snaps last week, saw the goal line work as well for the Rams, and Derrick is the total
0: Opposite of
1: Leonard Fournette Trav, and that shows up in things like fantasy points scored over expectation. Hendo is on the high end of that spectrum, and in all five games that he's played this season, he scored at least 15 PPR points. And yeah, that makes Daryl Henderson like a top 10 running back, at least in terms of points per game right now. Um, so I am 100% sold on Daryl Henderson.
0: I Like it. I really, really like it. I think. um, Yeah, he's just kind of he's continued to build the trust of Sean McVay, which is something that I think we kind of thought was on thin ice for him with Cam Akers looking to get the job. And we weren't sure what they were going to do with Sony Michelle being brought in. We thought that was an indictment against Daryl Henderson but it turned out to not necessarily be, or maybe it's an indictment against Sony that Sony hasn't been used very much since he got there. But um, I'm going to choose to see it with a glass half full lens for Daryl Henderson, because we thought this coming in and you know, you've been a big proponent of him since he was drafted Ty. And then uh, I picked up steam and I I was loving him coming into this season and he's just done it for us. So you like to see those guys um, because sometimes we just ditch guys a little bit earlier than I think they deserve Ty Um, Daryl Henderson's in his third season, he was a, um, a second round running back. And um, I remember one show you just lifted up, off a litany of things where he was like top of the class for his running back class. Um, And he didn't get, uh, he didn't get the respect he deserved. So I just, I personally kind of like those guys and I don't like seeing guys written off too early. And so the opportunity has been uh, taken advantage of by Daryl Hendo. So Last guy here, I got, and- I got one more, tie, one more, and he's a cherry on top. I'm sorry <laughs> to cut you off. Cora Daryl Patterson, you mentioned him earlier. Um, Is he even a running back? And at that, is he a, um, I'm not going to say running back one, because I think, uh, like I said, he's just a bit of a cherry on top player. But do you think we can rely on him as a, you know, a top 24 running back rest of the season?
1: Oh yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, he okay. was the running back three overall heading into their bye week last week yeah, and at least five catches and 58 yards receiving in four okay. straight games now, which is like double digit fantasy points as it is. And, uh, coming out of their bye, Atlanta faces Miami who are a top five matchup for running backs in fantasy this season. And, uh, As much as we may have considered this kind of like a flash in the pan or a glitch in the running back matrix for fantasy or whatever, (laughs) like Patterson had a career-high 14 Gary's in Week 5 and played a season-high 59% of the snaps. And that was against the Jets, right? Like a game the Falcons won, so it wasn't even like a game they were down big and just had Patterson in there for pass-catching purposes.
0: Like
1: RB1, like you said, that's hard to confess uh, to for, for Cordero, but I think he's an awesome running back, too, for the time being. And we might even see him get more involved and involved more creatively, even uh, coming out of the buy with this new coaching staff who probably mm. didn't really know what they had on their hands. But uh, <laughs> as we talked about during Calvin Ridley, like the pecking order just has a very wide range of outcomes right now in Atlanta between Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts and Cordero. And you know, how involved is Russell Gage and some of the ancillary pieces. And I kind of, Refuse to accept that Mike Davis will just go away. I think you should still see some work in the past. Eh? <laughs> uh, but bottom line, it will be very hard for Patterson to maintain a 16% target share uh, for the rest of the season. So if somebody offers me top 12 prices for Patterson, I'll bite, I'll give up the dream. But he seems like a hold if there ever was one and just mm-hmm. enjoy the ride.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I am certainly doing that myself. So I was going to
1: jump in there just cause I saw the transition there from Daryl Henderson to Tony Pollard. So slowly oh, talking about so that bad. fantastic Memphis system, but I do yeah. want to talk about uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott with the, uh, with the Cowboys really scoring a lot of points from the running back position. Do you think the Cowboys will produce multiple top 24 running backs this year? Like Zeke is the running back four overall right now. Tony Pollard is the running back 19.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, Oh, it's, it's really tough to say, but I think with the landscape that we've seen, I think they definitely will. Uh, Tony P is extremely efficient on the work that he does get, um, and I yeah, I, I think they're going to continue to use him in this creative fashion uh, to make him a, a top 24 running back for us, and you love to see it out of Tony P, hey, Ty? Absolutely. And I think this Cowboys offense, like,
1: I think it's definitely a lot of Zeke, right? Like in it's just been such a powerhouse in this backfield. Like they're one of three teams averaging over 30 points per game in fantasy from just the running back position. And I think that Cowboys are just still being an underrated offense. Like they lead the NFL in yards per play and per game, they're running the most plays. So it's a, it's a pretty uh, remarkable offense that we should want to be attached to. Uh, So, and you know, I was looking at it like, the Browns, Titans, and Cowboys are forming this, like, running back tier atop the league. It's just crazy. And the Titans and Browns have both scored 10 running back rushing touchdowns. The Cowboys have only scored six, so we could even see touchdowns uh, a little bit more going forward. But, yeah, fastest offense, most efficient offense, one of the highest scoring offenses, and they're running the ball a lot. And that's a recipe for multiple fantasy-relevant running backs, right? The scale is mm-hmm. just uh, – like, we, we can't mistake how much the scale is tipping in favor of Zeke right now, though, particularly at the goal line, too. Um, but I do love, like, how complementary their skill sets are, so to speak. You know, like, Zeke is still doing his thing. Top five in running back opportunities, rush yards, touchdowns, yeah, he's sixth exactly. in expected fantasy points. Meanwhile, Tony uh, Tony Pollard ranks seventh on Roto-Biz in fantasy points over expectations. So, you know, Tony Pollard can have those spiked weeks here and there. It's going to be hard to predict when they come but I think Zeke is definitely one of the best running backs in fantasy right now.
0: Yep. No, I think, uh, I think you're spot on with that. Uh, that being said there, I think, um, I think it's just a testament to your boy, Kellen Moore, actually, in that uh, Michael Gallup goes down, you know, they're not hucking it to all these wide receivers. They're using Tony Pollard more creatively. They're using Dalton Schultz and the tight ends a little bit more creatively. So shout out to your boy, Kellen Moore for, um, you know, keeping, keeping the production going, just doing it a different way. Right. And uh, it's still been fruitful for fantasy football. We just haven't seen it as the, you know, robust wide receiver attack. We've seen it as a very multifaceted attack in Dallas.
1: Yeah, even though C.D. Lamb definitely coming on strong, oh, he's Dalton crushing. Schultz still, still, uh, you know, life of the
0: party. Mm-hmm. At my the boy, my position. boy, right, Ty? My boy, Dalton. Yeah. Schultz. <laughs>
1: Speaking of your boy, maybe we'll talk some R.S.J. here because I want to go to the Cowboys' division rivals, Washington. Touch on the backfield first, though, because Antonio Gibson didn't practice today, just banged up all year, it feels like, and just not getting the role in the passing game that we had hoped for. He's under 19 yards receiving in all but one game. The one game that he wasn't was the game he had that long uh, touchdown reception, and he has Mm -hmm. just 12 catches in six games. And then JD McKissick has played his role very well this year, stepped up when needed. So how are you treating this backfield factoring in that Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel are still unavailable?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's going to kind of remain one of those Antonio Gibson should be the main runner and get a few targets here and there with JD McKissick soaking up more targets per game with those other guys being out. And I think he's going to continue to siphon those targets because he's been super effective. He had a game winning touchdown on a target against, I think it was the Detroit lions. Um, And I love JD McKissick as one of those guys who can be that for them. Like, I think Curtis Samuel, the way they were going to use Curtis Samuel is probably just being eaten up by JD McKissick himself. And then depending on what happens with that calf for Antonio Gibson last, I, I think I saw something earlier in the week where he was going to see a specialist about it or something like that. So that's not looking too good. So we definitely want to see what they do with him. Hopefully it's not a situation where they decide to shut him down or anything like that. Um, but I think top 24 for both of these guys, I would say no. Um, I think we could see JD McKissick taking over as the guy that we want down the stretch though, for the Washington football team. And that's just a little bit of a spicy take for me, but um, I just think with that Gibson injury looking like it's serious business, um, the McKissing Bandit might be the guy we want.
1: Yeah. Especially. In yeah, a game fucking RSJ. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> RSJ is lighted up playing a ton, running a ton of routes. He's he's bonafide right now. Well, uh, well, Thomas is out. Uh, well, Logan Thomas is out, and JD McKissick, like against Green Bay, especially, there. This is a really good matchup as well. I'm going to have him ranked really high, probably higher than Antonio Gibson, factoring in that he he could be limited in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and not too far down is the next backfield I want to touch on. That's Cleveland, who are you know going into uh, Thursday nighter against Denver. Uh, really banged up. So what are you doing with Dearness Johnson? Are you rolling him out there? Are you rolling out any other uh, Cleveland running back? And before I forget, Jared Patterson, make sure you're picking up Jared Patterson in Washington. Yeah. Uh, But Dearness Johnson, probably number one waiver guy this week, possibly. So are you rolling him out there right away as like a top 24 guy?
0: Not as a top 24 guy. I am starting McKissick uh, just over him. Actually, I'm looking at my rankings here, Ty. And that was a funny one in my rankings. When I saw Dearness Johnson, I was thinking, okay, well, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are both top 12 weekly backs pretty much. So obviously Dearness Johnson's going to be up there, but the matchup against Denver is not great. Um, we don't necessarily know that he's going to get the full pie with Demetric Felton in there. Um, and we've kind of been on this. Obviously it was last season, but we've been on the Dearness Johnson train before and, um there's a bit of a sour taste left in our mouth after last season because he did not come to fruition for the few games that we wanted him to um not to say that that's going to translate translate over into this season but I definitely this week would start JD McKissick over him I have Dearness Johnson as the running back 29 for this week for me and I just think it's going to be a really uh, a really tough bet against that Denver team on Thursday night I think better days could be ahead for Dearness Johnson in the couple weeks following, depending. Um, I think Nick Chubb's going to be back, but I think Kareem Hunt's looking like a few weeks out. So we're going to see, you know, if Nick Chubb takes on all of this role or if Dearness Johnson takes some of that pass catching from him. Um, But yeah, I would not be starting him as a top 24 option for me, even for the next few weeks while Kareem Hunt might be out. I would, uh, I would try to pivot if I need to rely, but, you know, the spike weeks could definitely happen because it's the Cleveland running, running game, right?
1: Yeah. we're maybe going to talk some of the passing game with uh, a lot of things to monitor there for the Browns as well, but we're running a bit long and there's a perfect segue here anyways, because I want to talk about the Seattle backfield. Alex Collins is probably right in this range as well in your running back rank. So does he fall above or below those two guys we just talked about?
0: Um, Alex Collins is this week. He's two spots behind Dearness Johnson. Um, yeah, I think I probably would have Dearness Johnson a little bit ahead of Alex Collins because, um, Rashad Penny is set to return. Um, obviously think what you will about that, but he's a a warm body who is supposedly going to be healthy. And then DJ Dallas has flashed a little bit with some of his work. And I think he's the guy that I'm most intrigued about
1: touches last week.
0: Yeah. He's the guy that I'm most intrigued about just because he's got a little bit of juice. He's a bit of that bowling ball style of runner. And I like that out of him. Um, So I think he's the guy who could give you some of those kind of big plays. Obviously, Rashad Penny, but we're a little bit trepidatious just trying to see him coming back from yet another injury. But I would put Alex Collins behind the Ernest Johnson, and I have him as the running back 31 for this week. Yeah, totally.
1: What about Chuba Hubbard, who we, of course, had the pleasure of interviewing on this podcast? Scroll down in the feed.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure you scroll down and check that out. We had a great time chatting with Chuba. Uh, It was a really, really cool opportunity that came to us from our friends at DAZN Canada. So thanks again to them. Chuba is a a couple of tiers above those other guys for me, Ty. I just think he's locked into um, a large majority role for the Carolina Panthers, who's an offense that we like to have pieces of. Um, So Chuba for me, I've got him um he's a top 15 running back for me this week right now i have him at 11 i have him at 11 which feels a little bit high so i'm going to go and look at that but now that i look at the names behind him i'm not sure if that's necessarily too too spicy at running back 11 for chuba so he's locked in there for me some pass catching work he's getting uh the rushing work as well so um lock it up chuba is uh you know he's representing for us northerners man
1: No, totally. And the Giants have allowed the seven most points to the running back position. I know the game has like a 43 point total, but there's a lot of low point total games this week. We can't be uh, beggars, can't be choosers uh, in all situations, especially at the running back position right now. So yeah, I think he's a a borderline RB one this week for sure.
0: Yeah, I like that. Now that you say that, Ty, I got a, we were talking about some of these kind of shorter term injury fill in backs. I got a couple more names for you before we ride out if that's coup um first one is going to be your boy daryl williams in kansas city he is filling in for also your boy clyde edwards hilaire while he tries to get back i think his earliest possible return is week nine for clyde the glide so got a couple more weeks of daryl willie is he in that chuba tier would you say or is he more towards the alex collins tier for you
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I think he's way higher than all those guys for sure. I have him as like my running back eight, I think this week. I like Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Daryl Henderson, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Daryl Williams okay, against yeah, Tennessee. E. And, you know, we're talking about these low point total games. And, yeah, it just can't be lost on people that a fifty-seven and a half point total game for the Chiefs and Titans is just off the charts this week.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. And it's interesting because the Chiefs have, or they last week they used Daryl Williams in the role that we wanted to see them use Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in, which is super, super interesting. The last guy I got, Ty, is uh, Khalil Herbert in Chicago. Uh, Damian Williams is set to come back. um, But what do you think about Khalil Herbert? He had a really good week this past week filling in. Um, Do you think he can have some value for us going forward? Or is he, um, you know, someone who you would be, um, you know, it's parking on that bench again.
1: Yeah, I am definitely sitting Khalil Herbert, as impressed as I've been over the last two weeks. And as much as I might think he might be the back to own in Chicago in the short term until David Montgomery comes back, uh, it's just such a tough matchup going to Tampa Bay this week. Uh, so I just think it's as simple as that. I've just have him outside my top 24. I'd be starting guys like uh, Javante Williams, Dearness Johnson, Miles Sanders, Michael Carter, Melvin Gordon. So I'm both Broncos backs, starting over any Bears back. So uh, a really tough sell. And uh, I'd definitely be looking to pivot off Khalil Herbert this week.
0: Yeah, same here. I've got him uh, a few spots below Alex Collins, who I had at the bottom of that tier that we were talking about. So seems like we're kind of in lockstep there. The, the Bears offense just isn't like we talked about Allen Robinson. If uh, if his name wasn't Allen Robinson, we would be dropping the stats that he'd produced this year. And I think that kind of just reigns true for this whole Chicago offense. Um, so with that, Ty, you mentioned we were running a bit long. We are still under a buck and a half here. Um, but I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening really appreciate all the people who uh who you know love our work we've been getting some good support out there on the socials and whatnot um ty got some really good love like i said off of that number four ranking as far as rankers so congrats again to you for that i know that you've been putting in putting in some work on those rankings ty and uh i hope to get one of those uh one of those finishes one of these weeks coming up here um, but yeah, just want to make sure everybody goes and subscribes to the YouTube channel. That's the big one we are right about. I'd, I checked earlier today, we're at 349 subscribers. So hitting that big tree 50 would be pretty sweet. Um, and then four and then 450 and then five and let's just keep a rolling baby. Um, so thanks to everybody for that. Thanks to our friends at, uh, at Fantasy Points. Um, and all of the groups in Fantasy Points Media Group. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight for their support. Viridian Global um, didn't do a uh, didn't get a trophy smack read in, but we love them. I got the belt behind me. There is still time to take your league to the next level. They got tons of trophies and stuff, and that promo code is TNFF. So just lots of love for True North going on in the community, Ty. And so I want to appreciate people for that. Of course, you and I will be back same bat time, same bat channel next week gonna be getting us ready for um you know we're gonna be a little deeper in that midseason run and uh, i hope everybody wants to ride with the the true north fantasy pod as they make those runs so you got any parting shots for the people here ty nope just make sure you check out sons of dfs tomorrow and just thanks to guys like kyle nate coach
1: craig in the chat always keeping pace so uh much love and uh yeah see you guys next week
0: absolutely